Take your Bibles. Go to the 23rd chapter of Luke. And if the Lord God Almighty will help us, we'll come over here and preach on Calvary. Calvary's great witness. Calvary's great witness. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Now, Lord, for a little while, Lord God, put blinders on my eyes and burnings in my heart and guard around my lips and take my tongue and hijack my thoughts and Lord, let the train of thoughts that run through here, one box car after another, bringing a load of glory. Let it come right from the heart and the mind of God and just run through our soul and our mouth for a little while. Lord God, you make preaching what you meant for it to be, and we'll love you and thank you for it. Thank the Lord. Amen. All the Lord's people said, thank the Lord. I almost preached on Amos and Amaziah tonight. Almost preached on Amos and Amaziah. Want to thank God that some preachers have took the bribe, but there are some who have taken the bride. Amen. Some took the bribe and went home, but some are taking the bride and they're heading home. Thank the Lord for it. Now, if the Lord will help us for a little while, in the 23rd chapter of Luke, the Lord will help us. We want to preach on Calvary's great witnesses. In Luke chapter 23, amen. Now, the Lord led us, Brother Jason, the first two nights, uh, what God can do behind closed doors. And then the Lord led us last night, knowing that so many churches and preachers were gathered together in the best way they could. So many pastors gathered in front of a camera and their little flocks gathered around their Bibles listening to their pastor. Thank the Lord, last night was Wednesday night. And so many of God's people set aside that time to have church. And the Lord led us to preach on Jesus out of Revelation chapter 1. But tonight the Lord will bring us to Calvary. Somebody said, well, why don't you preach on, uh, you know, getting people calmed down and helping them through this virus? Well, because there's a lot bigger problems in our nation than the virus. Amen. And if you're born again, there's a comforter that's give you peace the world can't give. Amen. You're not looking at a little, amen, theological, humanistic, little bribe-taking, little seminary preacher going to try to talk to you like a politician about the virus. No, no, this virus will come. This virus will go. Wars come. Wars go. Depressions come. Depressions go. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Suffering comes and suffering goes. But thank God one thing never changed. Heaven and earth may pass away like Sister Johanna sang. But my word shall not pass away. Thank the Lord. But when you get to the other side, only one thing matters. What did you do with the cross and the Son of God when the Lord presented you with your opportunity to be saved? It's the only thing that's going to matter if the Lord will help us for a little while. We're going to preach on Calvary, the great witnesses of Calvary. Now in Luke chapter 23 and verse 33, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him. And the malefactors, here come our witnesses. One on the right hand 
and the other on the left. By the way, this is the only place in your Bible where the word Calvary is mentioned. Amen. It's right there in Luke's gospel. Luke's got all them sinners. You go look it up. If you're over 40, pull out your Strong's Concordance. If you're under 30, pull up your favorite Bible app and uh, look up the word Calvary. It's only one time in the Word of God. Look up the word sinner, plural, sinners. And uh, all the sinners seem to have gathered up in Luke. Did you know that there's, if you look it up, there's that many sinners in Luke and that many sinners in the other 65 books of the Bible. And I think there may even be a little more sinners in one book than the other 64 put together. It's the book for sinners. Luke, and he traveled with the Apostle Paul. Thank God for that apostle to the Gentiles who took that gospel of the grace of God to a bunch of old Gentile dog sinners. That's who he traveled with. Amen. All them sinners in there. And so God put Calvary. I'm about to run what I'm about to do. Thank the Lord. God took the one place that he's going to say Calvary. And he put it in there with all them sinners. And by the way, the rich man in hell. That great passage on hell. Luke 16. It's in the sinner's book. Amen. And Luke 15. <laughs> that Luke 15. Thank the Lord. Amen. I got with the guidelines there. It took a second. That great passage for sinners. The Pharisees accused the Lord. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And the Lord said, yes, I do. <laughs> and the devil waved that flag trying to bring him down. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And a bunch of old born-again sinners run by and picked that same thing up and said, he sure does. <laughs> this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Praise the Lord. Well, where is Luke 15? Where he tells about a shepherd getting a sheep. And amen. And a lost silver coin being found in the house. And a prodigal son. Where is it? It's in Luke's gospel. Thank the Lord. And that's where he put Calvary. Right in the middle of all them sinners. Now, if the Lord will help us, I want to walk through this text and just take and notice there's several uh, pairs of two. There's several pairs of two all through these chapters. There's, oh, maybe 10, 12, maybe more. And I'll not get around to preaching all of them, but if the Lord will help me, I want to show you some. You want to look at them? Right there at the house, quickly. Take a pen. And uh, mark your Bibles, or at least let your Bibles mark you. But take look at them. I'm in Luke 23. Let me hurriedly try to show you some of them so you can get in the mindset that I'm in tonight. All right, you go back to uh, uh, verse 10 of Luke 23. And uh, you may find some more that I hadn't noticed. But there's the chief priest and the scribes. And there they come to accuse the Lord. Then in verse 12, I'm in Luke chapter 23 and verse 12, there's Pilate and Herod. And uh, they were enemy, enemies, enemies before, but now they're coming against Jesus. Do you see these? And then something remarkable in verse 26, there's a black man 
on the back of the cross and a Jewish man on the front of the cross. Oh, my, both of them bearing a reproach. There they go. God, they reached out in the crowd and pulled Simon, that Cyrenian, out of that north end. Probably they laid hold upon him. Probably recognized him as a servant. Now they, oh, but they're going up Calvary's Hill, Jesus and Simon. You tell me, brethren, why today you see the same reproach around the world. Oh, my, thank God. Now, come down to verse 32. And there's two thieves on either side. And there were also two other malefactors. Y'all still with me? The witness of two. Then you come to uh, verse 50. There's Joseph. And if you'll pull in the other gospels, Nicodemus came with him. One of the other gospels says it. And here comes two rich men come to take care of the expenses. That handful of women that met at the group, that group together at the foot of the cross. And that one preacher, John the Beloved. There's John and those women. And the old preacher taught us that's a picture of the church. There's John, only disciple that made it to Calvary. And there's a handful of women, several women. It's a picture of a pastor standing with the bride. Amen of Christ. And here come two rich men. Joseph said, I have a place for him. I have a plot for his body. And Nicodemus comes up the hill with a hundred pounds of the most expensive, what they couldn't afford, fragrances and spices. He said, I have a perfume for his body. Amen. There's two rich men come. Then you go to chapter 20. Well, before we leave the 23rd chapter, look in verse 56. And they returned and prepared. Whoop! Here comes two. Here comes two witnesses of Calvary. Spices and ointments. Spices and ointments. Spices are meant to bring a fragrance out. And the ointments were meant to bring uh, that within. The ointments soak in the body and the spices flow out of the body. Got to go to Song of Solomon to preach on this business. But thank God I like going to church where there's spices and ointments. Amen. Sweet fragrance of heaven's glory. Thank the Lord. Well, chapter 24, verse 4. Here's two men in shining garments. There they looked in, the stone was rolled away, and there where his body had laid, and the other scriptures we learned by the other gospels. These are the two angels in white, and also called two men in white. By the way, and we'll stir up a little something here, the pastor can fix it over the next month. All of your blonde-haired female angels with wings, you got that from the Catholics and the Protestants. Amen. Every time you found angels in the Bible, uh, they came as men and as the appearance of men. Here's these two men standing by them in shining garments. Thank the Lord. Well, come on down to verse 12. I'm in chapter 24. I'm trying to show you just a few of these. And you can be meditating on these, those of you that are marking your Bible. Here comes Peter. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher. Amen. There's Simon Peter. Well, you pull in the other Gospels. Him and John came together. Peter and John. It was at one of the Marys. We got seven Marys there in the uh, New Testament Gospels. But it was Mary Magdalene that had came and seen the that the tomb was empty and the Lord had told her, you go quickly and tell my disciples. 
So Peter and John ran there. They ran. And there's Peter and John coming to the empty tomb. In verse 13, you've got the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Verse 17 said they were so sad. They were dedicated disciples. And they'd even heard that he had risen, but they didn't believe it. And the Lord joined in with them. My, my, my. Now, we might end up right there talking about them. We'll see. That's where I'd like to end up. <clears throat> Look in verse 27. Jesus shows up and preaches. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. What about that? There's the law and the prophets. The two great witnesses from the Old Testament. And in verse 40. Y'all still with me? And in verse 40. My, my, my. He showed them his hands and his feet. There he is with those disciples in that upper room. And he showed them his hands and his feet. Thank God, the witnesses of Calvary. And in verse 46, he said, Thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ. Watch these two. These two are the order of the day for the church to suffer and to rise. What about that? That's what will happen for every Christian too. You're going to have your suffering down here, and then there's a resurrection that takes you over there. <laughs> Amen. Just suffering and the glory to follow. And in verse 47, boy, I like this. <clears throat> that repentance and remission of sin. <laughs> what about that? Luke's the only uh, gospel in his great commission who mentions sins. Wonder why that is. Well, that's because that's where all the sinners gathered up in Luke. And he wanted them to know that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all. That. Well, there's probably more in there. But that's some of them that I've looked at. Now, let's let the Lord lead us and preach on a few of these. Calvary's great witnesses. Somebody said, well, why don't you just try to comfort America and her anxiety? Well, probably because God's not trying to bring comfort. He's probably trying to bring conviction. Amen. God's probably not wanting to pet our fur the right way. He's probably got us turned around and rubbing it the wrong way. He's trying to wake up some things in America. Wouldn't it be something if sinners got right? Wouldn't it be something if daddies got right? Wouldn't it be something if preachers got right with God? Wouldn't it be something if when churches came back in, we had real church? The Lord manifested himself. One of the things probably happened in this hour is things that have not been precious to us, that should be precious to us, are now being made precious unto us. Oh, I wonder if the Lord's going to, wonder what he's going to do when he brings us back in. Well, let's take a look at this. And I want to thank God for Calvary. Amen. If the Lord will help me. Now let's walk through some of these. <clears throat> I'd like to get to them two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We'll see if we can brush up some of these witnesses and let them talk for a moment. I'm back in verse 10 of chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 10. The chief priests and scribes. I only want to be here just a moment, but I'm going to say this to you. <clears throat> they were the enemies of Christ, and they still are today. Priest, scribes, I want to say to you, man's religion and modern education. Religion and education. Here came the priest, a religion without God. They then rejected the Son of God. And here come the scribes, 
those that were learned and, and educated. And brother, education of Bible knowledge is wonderful, but this secular education is right out of the pits of hell. And there is to this day to the great enemies of Calvary is religion and education. Well, I don't want to run down that trail too long, but brother, the world is eat up with religion because they've rejected the Son of God. And I want to say that we've lost an entire generation to our secular universities and our government schools. It might be a good thing that the mamas have had to get in the home with their children. Imagine that. Imagine that. That mamas and daddies being responsible for the education of their youngins. Oh, my God, help us in this hour. Religion, modern religion and education. Well, come with me to verse 12. Pilate and Herod. Pilate and Herod said they were made friends together for they were at enmity between themselves before. What about that? Now here comes Pilate and Herod. I want to tell you something, brother. There's a lot of folk that hate each other, but when it comes time, they can come together to unite against God. I think of the Tower of Babylon, how they, how they came together to try to, to try to escape judgment of God by building a tower that would escape the next flood. And finding a way to heaven without going through God. Oh my. And you can see some of them old preachers. Preaching back in the 60's. And in the 50's. Said the modern day space age program. Is our modern tower of Babel. Trying to find a way to heaven without God. Trying to find a way to be God. Without admitting you're a sinner. Amen. And they're hunting for eternal life. They got microscopes looking for the smallest thing. Is there a secret to life there? They got telescopes looking for the biggest thing. And they're trying to find life. Brethren, if you'll bow at the foot of the cross and humble yourself and confess your sins and call on the Lord Jesus, you can live forever with the rest of us. Thank the Lord. Because of his glorious blood, we'll get them glorious bodies one of these days. There's Pilate and Herod. Come together. Pilate and Herod. It's very interesting. You go study Pilate for two pages. There were seven questions passed between him and Jesus. Even his godly wife, Pilate's godly wife was troubled by a dream. And for two pages, the Lord Jesus engaged with this man to reach him. Pilate still chose the politics and he chose the crowd. But when he stands before Herod, and, or was it really that Herod was standing before him? The Lord wouldn't say a word to Herod. Didn't speak one word to Herod. Ralph Sexton Sr., the old preacher going on to glory, the old preacher from Asheville, North Carolina, the mountains. Ralph Sexton Sr. said the reason he wouldn't speak to Herod because he was mad at him. Because he'd cut off his preacher's head. John the Baptist. A dancing daughter. And a manipulating mother. Oh dear neighbor. Had come together. And Herod and a bunch of lustful men. Brother and they. Let a dancing daughter and a manipulating mother. Take and cut off the preacher's head. Ralph Sr. said. That the Lord wouldn't speak to him. 
I'm going to go a step further and tell you, listen, Jesus is not that little lily-fingered, long-haired, effeminate thing, look like something from uh, the sissy side of things. No, neighbor. He was a man. He was the God-man. Never a man spake like this man. Got in there. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wouldn't have made a good pastor for a lot of Americans. He wouldn't talk too hard, but he'd talk about him. He even called him names. It's in Luke. Go tell that fox, Herod. <laughs> That's a little tough right there. I imagine some of our thin skin, snowflake, millennial meltdowns, they just couldn't quite, and half the Baptists I know. Let's see, we done got everybody. We ain't got the Baptists good yet. Half the Baptists I know wouldn't have went to Jesus' church. I heard that he didn't go visit some of his best friends even when they're sick. He didn't even show up at the funeral for Lazarus. He'd have hurt y'all's feelings a hundred times between Sundays. Got his best one, called him a devil. <laughs> called him the devil. Satan, get thee behind me. Well, that's a tough day for Simon Peter. <laughs> Didn't bother Simon a bit. He never missed a lick. Here's Jesus. He wouldn't speak to Herod, but he'd talk about him. You go tell that fox Herod. And then when he stood before him, he wouldn't say a word. Oh, dear neighbor. He chopped off his preacher's head. John the Baptist is one that laid hands on the Son of God and baptized him in the Jordan River. Can I get a witness right there? John the Baptist, the only man that was born an Old Testament prophet and died a New Testament preacher. He walked down in that Jordan that day. There's one coming. And he echoed the cries and the sentiments of 10,000-fold prophets before him. There's one coming. There's one coming. Then that day, he walked out of that Jordan and said, He came, he came. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus wouldn't speak to Herod. Old Ralph Sr. said, and I agree with him, Herod was going to hell. He'd had a choice back yonder when he chose between a dancing outfit and a preaching outfit. And he chose a dancing outfit. And therefore, that was the day that he chose to go to hell. Jesus wouldn't speak to him when he stood in the same room with him. All across this land, there's just not the blood of aborted babies crying out and the blood of murders and the blood of greed and homicide. And it's just, brother, there's a lot of preachers' heads been cut off, figuratively speaking, across our land. We got 10 million times 10 million steeples in this nation, but there ain't but a few churches. Let me tell you something, brother. You cut off the head of the man of God when the Lord sent him to you. You might not expect him to ever be hearing from the Lord again. Oh, mercy. There's Herod and Pilate. Well, what would you do if you, listen, if you or your family have attacked a man of God, if I was in your shoes, I'd go get right. A lot of churches never going to have the power of God till they apologize to a preacher somewhere. God's going to call up this nation, this generation, and he's going to say to them what he said there in Matthew 12. The generation of Nineveh would condemn this generation because they repented. Oh, dear neighbor, I got news for you. 
Brother Jason, I remember the old Mississippi preacher, Brother Pat McNair, got saved in the chicken house. Dear time, probably sixty years ago, maybe. He's done went to glory. Old Mississippi preacher laid down on Joe Parsons' deathbed and asked for a double portion. Lived at death's door them 30, 40 years. What a preacher he was. He'd come by our little church in North Florida there. And he was our Old Testament preacher. And he'd teach me and the other young preachers. Oh, he'd come by and teach us the Bible. And teach us the ways of God. Never will forget his testimony. He said he got saved because God killed his daddy. Said he had an old deacon daddy. Old mossy back, rebel. Come against the man of God, and God struck down a perfectly healthy man. Killed him with a heart attack. Brother Pat said he was just a young man. Said he run out in the chicken house. His daddy attacked the man of God, and within 12, 18 hours, God knocked him down dead with a heart attack. Said he run to the chicken house. Said he got out there and laid down. And what do they keep at a constant 82 degrees? I can't remember it or the chicken house. Said he laid down there in that heat and that ammonia and all that and the, and the little sawdust shavings and them 30,000 chickens. I think that's something about how many they kept in there. Said he laid down in there two or three hours begging God not to kill him and said he got saved out there in the chicken house. Tell you something, dear friend, the Lord's not playing games. The Lord is not playing games. I've sat my children down during this corona season more than once. My wife and my precious wife, Jennifer, I want to thank God for a godly wife who will release her husband to preach across the land and to preach overseas. Amen. She's a living sacrifice and giving our home and our life to God. Thank God for my children, their sweet spirit. Serving the Lord and being happy that daddy's out preaching. I've sat them down more than once in this corona season and went over the two judgments. Oh, there's many judgments in the Bible. But the two main judgments, the judgment seat of Christ, where saved people are going to stand there and give account for what they did with their life. God won't be judging sins. He'll be judging sons. At the judgment seat of Christ where the saved people. But then I've told them and all three of my children, Preston, Chloe, and Kendall, they all three have got their own authentic original testimony. I didn't give it to them. I didn't save them and I didn't told their story for them. The Lord saved all three of them and they've all got their own testimony. But I've told them about that great white throne judgment. Brother, the church will be, as John stood in a high place and looked down upon it, the church will stand up in some eternal balcony and look as God tosses all of those, the dead, small and great, as they stand before God and the books are opened and their life's work are, are read to them out of the things that are written therein. There are two judgments coming. It's a great white throne judgment for people that's never been saved. I'm going to tell you something the Lord is. One thing he's doing in this hour that I've been praying, a prayer the Lord's put in my heart, he's rattling cages. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make people feel better. I'm not trying to hand out false peace and hope. Most people need to get more miserable and need to get more scared. I'm not running around trying to be some little seminary sissy just kissing the grannies and petting the babies and trying to make everybody feel better about this season we're in. It's not my job to give you comfort. It's not my job to give you conviction. That's the Holy Ghost. While I'm a-preaching the Lord, hey, right while I'm a-preaching, God can pour honey in one soul and a hammer on another. been praying God to rattle the cages rattle the cages of our homes rattle the cage of our churches rattle the cage of our preachers rattle the cage of the foundations of the freedoms of this nation well Pilate and Herod Herod and Pilate come over here to verse 26 and see if the Lord oh my every one of these witnesses Every one of these, they deserve an hour-long sermon, each one of them. That's an amazing thing. There goes the Lord carrying that cross up Calvary's hill. And the way I believe it happened is he's a staggering and he'd done been beat and been, and been pierced and been bloody, a, a bloody, just beaten mess with the cat of nine tails and 39 licks and, and, and he was bloody from head to toe and staggering up that hill. And, they, and I believe he is struggling to get up the hill. And they pulled a black man, I believe, out of the crowd and put him on the back of the cross. And there for a little while, there goes a Jew man and a black man. And I want to stop and tell you something. Uh, brethren, Jesus died for everybody. I like the little Sunday school song, Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Amen. He died for all. There's nobody better than anybody else. There for a little while, what a sight. You take and look, both bearing a reproach of their own, going up that hill. Then you come down to verse 32, and there's those two, those two thieves. One of them said, Father, forgive me. Oh, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I want you to come down to Joseph and Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. And there comes Nicodemus. And I just want to say this about that. I'm, I'm walking through these now trying to get to them Emmaus disciples. I want to thank God old Nicodemus got saved somewhere between John 3 and, and John 19. Amen. Nicodemus, he's not mentioned in this particular passage, but the other gospels have him and Nicodemus coming. Oh, and here comes Joseph, and here comes Nicodemus. Boy, I could preach for an hour on these two. Thank God Nicodemus showed up in the middle of the night under the cover of the privacy. And brother, he was fearing for his reputation and asking Jesus how. Can a man be born again? And now here he shows up in the middle of the day on top of the hill in front of the whole city. <laughs> bringing that worship. Bringing a hundred pounds. And there's Joseph. Oh, Lord, I'd like to preach on Joseph about 30 minutes. You know, I got the month off. You reckon we could have a month-long virtual revival? <laughs> 
Brother Jason, I think you were there one year at the Preacher Boys camp meeting. We had them Preacher Boys camp meetings during a lot of those summers. Turned into the Redfield. The Redfield camp meeting. I don't know if you remember that one year. A 16-year-old boy out of South Carolina preached on the two Josephs. He said the only men ever on record of carrying the body of Christ were named Joseph. There was a Joseph that carried him from the womb and there was a Joseph that carried him to the tomb. The old man of God heard me preaching that one night. Joseph, there in that Bethlehem barn, caught him as he came out of and carried him as he came out of that womb. And then here's a Joseph that said he craved the body of Jesus. One of the gospels said he begged the body of Jesus. And he carried that body mm, to his own place and laid him in there in that burial. Then an old preacher heard me preaching that one night and he said to me, and then there's that greatest type of, in the Old Testament. Joseph takes up more scriptures than Abraham or Moses or David or anybody in his story. Joseph! And all the old preachers will tell you there's not a greater type. And here's how he put it. He said, if there is a Joseph at his birth, carried him from the womb. And there is a Joseph at his burial, carried him to the tomb. Then there was a Joseph in his brokenness that lived out the life of doom. Joseph had to live in between. He had to live out the sufferings, rejected by his brother, thrown in a pit, amen, sold into slavery, lied about and falsely framed and right on down and they put down in the dungeon in the earth between two thieves, amen. Oh, thank God, there's this Joseph and Nicodemus. Well, you come to chapter 24, verse 4. I've, there's so much in here. Here's these two men in shining garments. Oh, I've enjoyed meeting around the Lord's table during this corona season. You know what corona, you look it up, it's the coronation, it's the crowning. <laughs> wonder if God's, hey! I wonder if he's put this nation in a corona season because he'd like to get the crown back on this nation. <laughs> I went down to Ace Hardware to get some shears because everybody in America can't do anything but their lawn. <laughs> and it was corona shears. None of my family would use them. They made me use them. Well, let's come to the last one. I'm done now, said the preacher as he came to the end of his introduction. <laughs> Verse 13. These two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Oh, my. I love these two. If you'll give me about six or seven more minutes, if you'll give me just a handful of more minutes, I want to look at these two witnesses. Thank the Lord. These two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. It was a nine-mile journey where they were going. Nine's the number of the Holy Ghost, number of the Holy Spirit. Nine fruit of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. You go look at the number nine. And Jesus joined in with them in verse 17. Why, why are you so sad? They were sad. And they were walking. And in verse 19, they told him why they were sad. Now notice in verse 16, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. 
And in verse 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And then look in verse 27. Hey, don't miss this. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in, what's this? All the scriptures. The things concerning himself. Uh, I usually get down and preach in the pews. They got me. Old, tarant, old tarantula back there's got me. Old tarantulaski, he's got me taped in right here. Oh my, brother Taransky, greatest sermon ever preached. Got to thinking about it. Y'all got six minutes for me? Don't be going and get no diet. Well, if it's diet coke, quick refill and get me one too. But don't miss this. Mm. I've determined, and I'm going to be challenging everybody across the country. Can you find for me a greater sermon ever preached? Can you? Okay, Jesus took the whole Bible that they had at the time. They didn't have the New Testament. Well, the New Testament was standing in front of them. <laughs> Woo! He took all the scriptures, Moses and all the prophets and all the scriptures, <laughs> things concerning himself, and he preached a nine-mile sermon. Mm. Okay, I don't... Uh, do y'all think you could find a greater message ever? Okay. I don't have time to walk through the last 6,000 years and mention the preachers. I would have liked to heard Adam preaching to his two boys, telling them the story of sin and the story of, of blood. Mm. I'd like to heard Abraham testifying the day after Genesis 22. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. I'd like to heard Joshua preaching that day he came off the mount. The pair of Moses. I, here am I doing it? I ain't got time. I'd like to heard Peter and John. I'd like to heard one of them. I'd like to heard the son of a of an apostle, maybe a grandson of an apostle preaching in the year like 190. I'd like to heard one of the apostles' grandsons preaching. I wonder what stories them boys told that we had never heard about the three and a half years they spent with Jesus. I'd like to sit on the front porch when the old mother Mary told the old apostle John what Jesus' first word was. <laughs> Things like that. I'd like to heard some of them Reformation preachers in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. I'd like to heard George Whitfield, men who are preachers who love preaching and study church history, said George Whitfield hand down the greatest, most powerful preacher that ever thundered the gospel in all of church history. The county that I was born in, Dalton, Georgia. Where were you born, Jason? I forget. Dalton, Georgia. It was Cherokee County until George Whitfield came and preached, and they named it Whitfield County. <laughs> Woo! I'd like to heard Hudson Taylor, some of them missionaries. Hmm. 
I'd like to heard, I'd like to heard some of the sons of some of the martyrs. And their daddy was burned at the stake, and 40 years later, they're preaching the gospel. I'd like to heard some of the preaching sons of the martyrs from the Middle Ages. I'd like to heard their sons preach. Oh, I'd like to heard Billy Sunday. We need somebody in America to preach on drinking again. Oh, God, help us. The whole nation's drunk. Drinking and doping have killed so many, so many, so many, so many more than any diseases you could put together. And don't tell me about the heart disease and the lung disease. What do you think the drinking and the doping, most of that, most of that's attributed to that, half of it. Mm. I'd like to heard Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham. I'd like to come through them churches. I got to hear some of them from the 50s and the 60s. I, I got to hear some of them in the 70s and the 80s. Oh, but never have you heard a message like this. All right, let me ask y'all at home, and there's not even 10 in here, I don't think. Who was doing the preaching? Right here. Y'all can answer. I don't think they're going to arrest you. It was Jesus. All right, so right there, I mean, everybody else, all the other candidates, you just wiped them off. This is going to be the greatest preacher. All right, this is the greatest message ever preached. What was his topic? Jesus was preaching on Jesus. Ooh, we I'd like to heard that one. What was his text? <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to play, Pastor. The whole Bible. Oh, my soul. Jesus preaching on Jesus, and he used the whole Old Testament, which is pictures, shadows, types, and symbols of himself. I need a little help right here. Okay. When was he preaching? He was preaching on Resurrection Day. I don't care how you slice it. He preached the same message on day two. It's not going to be quite the same because he's a preaching it. On the day that he was done with a plan that went all the way back through eternity, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He had come from heaven and went through hell and had died on the cross and had carried our sins, became the lamb and the scapegoat. And brother, it was done. You reckon he was feeling good? He was in his glorified body. Huh? He was done with a plan that he had dreaded, but he had been submitted to from eternity past. How good was he feeling? I wonder if he just was only going to preach 10 minutes to him, but then he got started. <laughs> Couldn't help himself. Mm. Jesus. Now. Good night. I need to come down there. I have to act like Mike Bagwell. Can't get out of here. Tarantulally, he'd get he'd get me hemmed in here. Mmm. Observations about the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus preaching on Jesus used the entire Old Testament, and it's preached on Resurrection Day. Observations. Got three observations. Number one, he only preached it to two people. 
Observation number two, who were already saved. Observation number three, and they didn't even really need it that bad. Within 24 hours, they and everybody else would know that he's alive. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. I'll throw a songbook at you, I will. Huh? Does not compute with my little, my little 10% brain. The greatest sermon that you'll never hear. I'm going to ask the Lord in the millennial reign. I got, me a, I got me a bucket list. Mine's in the millennial reign. Now, when I get in a glorified body on the other side, I may, I may, the bucket may burn up on the way there. But I got me a bucket list, and this is added to it. If y'all will come with me, we may can talk the Lord into hit and rewind. How about let's wait, you know, get a lot of stuff. About, about the year 500, y'all want to plan a camp meeting in the millennial reign? Y'all want to plan one? Let's plan a camp meeting around the year 500. And if the Lord will allow us, we'll get the Lord to come over there to my mansion or I don't want to y'all's. And, and, and Lord, would you, pretty please, pretty please, cherry on top. Could you hit rewind? We'd love to hear that message. I don't know if he's going to let us hear it. But the greatest message ever preached was only preached to two people. Now, somehow the Lord just don't think like we think. If I got the greatest message ever by the greatest preacher ever on the greatest day ever, uh, I would reserve something like that for when I got half the world gathered. Maybe, maybe when we got all the United Nations to get, maybe we get a, the largest stadium in, in the nation filled with people. Then! But not the Lord. <laughs> he don't think like we think. He's not worried about things we're worried about. He's not anxious about things we're. He he don't. He's not trying to find ways to make things work. <laughs> Come on now. Only two people. They were already saved. <laughs> Y'all reckon the Lord's doing more than sometimes what we think He should be doing? They were already saved. I would have reserved this kind of preaching for some great mission field when we get them all together or some great stuff, but the Lord. <laughs> and they didn't even need it that bad. That evening, they're in the upper room when he shows up. They thought it was all over. And Jesus is walking in the middle of them, maybe an arm around both of them. He knew their problem would be passed within 24 hours. Their problem wasn't even, they didn't even have a problem, but they thought they did. Oh, my. I've meditated on this. I don't know. As you look at it, the greatest sermon ever preached to two people that were already saved, and they didn't even have the problem they thought they had. He wasn't there to fix a problem. There wasn't any problem. He just saw they were sad. <laughs> and my little thought is this. Are y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Here's my little thought on why or how that, 
What happened that day when the Lord preached the greatest sermon ever to two people that were already saved who didn't even have the problem they thought they had? Forgive me for being so simple. You meditate on it, see what the Lord shows you. I think that this was preached just because he loved them. (laughs) He saw them walking, sad. He loved them. He couldn't help himself. (laughs) He fell in lockstep with them and he gave them something that nobody else has ever gotten. (laughs) Just because he he didn't want them to be sad. And I walked away from this meditation and this message and what it means for God's people the way the Lord's had me preach it is this. Have y'all ever had them times when you were going down the road and you were sad? Or you may even thought it was all over. And have y'all ever had the Lord join in with you? Have you? You know when the windshield gets fogged up and you got to pull over? Huh? Has the Lord ever? Well, I want you to know, out of this scripture, I want you to know, that was really him. It was really holy. And it was really unique. He gave them something he never gave anybody else. And those times he met with you, it really was a big deal. It really was him. (laughs) And he probably gave you something. And you may have been thinking, this is the most glorious thing ever. And it probably was. <laughs> and nobody else ever know. <laughs> that was really him. He really loves you. He really gave you something unique. <laughs> he may have given you one of the most greatest things ever happened on earth. And it was just you and him. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Glory. He loves his children. That's him. I was in Thailand. Only been over there once. Been to Japan. Only been there once. We got, uh, we'll be going again with our missionaries. But I was in Thailand and the, and the devil attacked us. The devil attacked we was entering into that stronghold of strong devils, and me and my wife had never had such an attack. And oh, I don't even know if to call it that, oppression. Strong, dark devils that rule over provinces. Oh, they were not welcoming us. I'll skip a lot of the story. The old devil had been, and my wife, she's strong, she's steady. If anybody's got chemical imbalances, bipolar, schizophrenia, and, and worries like a woman at our house, that would be me. <laughs> it would, that'd, that'd be me. She's the rock. Well, old devil came on her like never before in any of our ministry endeavors. And told her that I wasn't coming back. And it got down deep in her. Them strong dragons of the Far East, them strong devils. Convinced her, and we had little babies. And I was getting on that plane, and I wasn't coming back. It was an oppression that she had never experienced quite before. There was a darkness on me. There was a, a, a devilish oppression on me. 
I got over there in the first morning. The missionary is an older man from Tennessee. He had a little church out in, out in the jungle, like in an in a, in a orphanage. And three o'clock in the morning, that first morning, I got out of my motel and I drove. I drove out of town about five miles up in the jungle and I parked underneath the sign. It's a Hillcrest Baptist Church. He had named it after his home church in Tennessee. I parked under that thing, that church sign, Hillcrest Baptist Church. I said, oh, Lord, you got to relieve this darkness that's over us. Holy Ghost said, you need some preaching. I said, Lord, where am I going to get preaching? He said, right there in your backpack. There's a young pastor in North Carolina. Brother Chris Simpson. He'd give me a little uh, MP3 player. Is that what you call it? And he told me, he said, there's a thousand sermons on here. Give it to me close down by the airport. There's a thousand sermons, Brother Dan. I said, I don't know how to run this thing. I come through the 80s. I, I grabbed Pac-Man one time, and they never did get the cherries. The ghost got him every time. I gave up on computers before they even got good and started. There's three notebooks down there. I have an ink pen. Thank you very much. Y'all do whatever you want to. <laughs> I said, Brother Chris, I don't know how to run this thing. He said, just push one button. It'll randomly select anywhere in there them thousand sermons. He said, there's probably... 1,300 hours of preaching. So I was sitting there that morning. I could feel the darkness weighing in until it was nearly unbearable. Them devils didn't want us carrying the gospel over there. And by the way, today we got several missionaries heading to the Far East out of world harvest. That was a groundbreaking thing. I pulled that little thing out at 3 a.m. sitting under that church sign, Hillcrest Baptist Church, and I just mashed the biggest button on there. I thought it was the one that might do something. <laughs> I mashed the button, and immediately it randomly selected out of a thousand sermons, and it started playing a pre It was Brother Sammy Allen, Resaca, Georgia. And out of his mouth, he was, he was in the middle of a sermon, opening it up, and he hollered out. I mashed that thing and he hollered out in my car. He said, we're all here together at the Hillcrest Baptist Church. It was a message preached in 1973. He said, we're all here together at the Hillcrest Baptist Church. Y'all ain't helping me. I'm sitting under a sign, my little truck running, and the little light shining on the hillcrest of this church. And when he said that, the Holy Ghost brought a dozen angels, and they brought, amen, milk and honey from another world, and they filled the front of that car, filled the front of that truck. I had, oh, the Lord joined me on my little road to Emmaus. I was so sad. I thought, this is the worst moment. It suddenly turned into the best moment. And I made my way back to the motel after about an hour of shouting and weeping. Them devils, turned out them devils didn't want to be gathered together at the Hillcrest Baptist Church. They got gone. I got back and I called Jennifer. It took two 
motel people and one stranger and another fella to get a call through. <laughs> International call. And I called the house. And Jennifer told me, she said, the Lord, she was a shouting. She was on shouting ground, praising the Lord. Weepy voiced. She said, there's two, I think two, three women. Didn't even know I'd went to Thailand. They felt burdened to check on her and come and prayed over her, prayed with her. I don't know if they did it on the phone or came by the point. I don't remember. They and said while there's a minister to her, the Lord filled her with the power of God. She got to shouting. <laughs> she got to worship and praising God. She said, Lord, if he's supposed to die, she got to shouting. She said, I don't even care if he does come back. You'll be enough. <laughs> I said, hey, baby, you got a little too much victory right there. That's a little too much. She said, it don't matter. I was afraid to never see you again. It don't even matter. The Lord. I said, baby, that is too much revival you're having. I need to come home. God gave her the victory. I'm going to tell you something. We have a Savior who knows where we are. And he'll come and join in with you. And it's probably, <laughs> you may not even need near as much as you think, but he'll bring you the best he has. That's amazing to me. He'll bring you something that nobody else, he'll never give to anybody else. Because he loves you. Because he loves, the Lord knows them that are his. He loves his people. I want our musicians to come. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. Right there where you're at, if you're lost without Christ, you need to be saved. I pray you will tonight. Would you come? Right there where you are, some of you fathers need to get your family around the couch and around the kitchen table. Get on your knees and pray. Right there where you are, the Lord, some of you need to get right with God. Call on him. He'll receive you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll breathe on you. He'll bring to you. To your desperate soul, whatever you need. Thank the Lord. Lord God, thank you. <laughs> Lord God, thank you. You're walking with us every night, Lord, down here at the church. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the great witnesses at Calvary. Lord, we love you and thank you. Take and bless this message, Lord. Help our hearts, God. May somebody hear the gospel and be saved. Maybe somebody is struggling. They're on an Emmaus Road, walking away from Calvary, walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from the cross thinking that God's dead, Jesus is done. The plan of God and the will of God had been brought to a smashing halt. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Lord God. Oh, Lord. God, maybe you want to join in with them. Preach to them. Preach Christ to them. Thank you, Lord. Help us.